right. Welcome to Bedtime Stories for Paddlers podcast. I'm your host, Steve Barber. And on this podcast, we feature river stories from whitewater professionals such as kayakers, canoeists, river guides, swift water rescue pros, stand-up paddleboarders, and artists. Everyone has a story that will educate and entertain, and I know everyone has a bedtime story for us that will help our sphere of awareness grow and help us move with purpose down the river of life. Let's set shuttle and get this trip underway. I'm your TL, Steve Barber, and let's welcome our guests this evening on Bedtime Stories for Paddlers. Hey, what's up? Blaine. What's up, man? Not much. How you doing? Good, man. Awesome. Hey. Yeah. I'm doing something and I wanted you to be involved with me. You in, you into it? Well, talk to me. <clears throat> oh yeah. Listen to that drop in, dude. Oh. Are you with me? All right. Whoa, dude! Who is that? I don't know what that is, but what I'm doing is bedtime stories for paddlers, and it's a podcast. Uh-huh. It's a podcast where I feature like different uh-huh. paddlers and different whitewater people and artists and anybody kind of associated with you know the river in mind. And I'm doing my first show, and you are my no. guest. You interested? You interested in being my first guest? I am interested in being the first guest. Nice, nice, awesome, man, awesome. Well, I wanted you to just take a little moment. I mean, I know you real well because you're my boy. You know, you're Blaine. You're Blaine. But I wanted you to kind of just give our listeners and just the whole kind of bedtime stories for paddlers community that we're trying to expand just during these times of nobody really reaching out. We're reaching out and we're reaching out with whitewater stories, you know, some, something that we can all kind of get a remembrance of. And that's our past in whitewater. And I know you have a huge past in whitewater. Can you just kind of give us a little synopsis of your whitewater interests and, you know, your lineage? Of course. Just a brief one. More brief than yeah, I guess the one that I, I, I let into. You can take your time and do right, whatever right. you want. Well, basically, I got involved with paddle sports at a young age and got in a kayak for the first time at the age of 13. And it's funny, like funny, interesting, six degrees of separation, kind of funny that you call me when we're doing this because just this morning I was talking with my girlfriend about paddle sports because we did some stand-up paddle boarding yesterday and her son's 13 and I was 13 when I got the kayak and I pulled that story up. Nice. Because we're trying to catch him on to it, you know, and as a paddler, you know, one of the things or anything you're passionate about, right, you want to pass it on to people that can benefit or pass it on and share the love. And so I had, I told that story about the first time I got in a, in a whitewater kayak in Thurman Pool. Nice. You know, on wild water. Set the so, set the scene, Thurman Pool. You know, you know, Thurman Pool. That's in West Virginia, 
That's in New River. I'm in West Virginia on the New River. Yeah, we just yep, had to set the scene. That was kind of, yeah, well, so there's, you know, that was uh, my family. We always rafted with Wildwater Expeditions, you know, first on America's best whitewater since 1968. And so uh, the first few times I went rafting, Wildwater was still right there on the river in Thurman at what is now the U.S. Park Service headquarters for that area. And it was just a very well laid out, very methodically laid out piece of land right on the river. Steps went down to the river and gravel ramp and all that stuff. And, you know, the evenings after a raft trip, it wasn't uncommon to see people down there paddling kayaks and swimming and doing whatever. And that was how I uh, got myself in a kayak after a raft trip. So uh, it was a very quaint, very exciting place to be. A lot of stuff going on. There's a well built structure and very efficient, well oiled along the river in the base camp. It was kind of annoying because if you've ever spent the night along the banks of the new river, you've got the trains running all night long. You're going to get uh, a train. <laughs> you're going to get memory. at least one. Yeah, yeah. And if you only get one, I mean, come on, you're lucky, right? So, one's a so, good uh, night. You're lucky if you only get one. One's a, one's a great night, man. You're like, you got a lot to sleep that night. So, uh, but waking up in the morning, you know, and getting up and walking out of the yard there, which is just this big, open, covered structure, but no doors kind of thing where you just lay down and up in the morning and just the buzz of the place, you know, guys getting boats ready and the fog on the water, you know, smoke on the water if you want to get cliche, but I mean, it was um, a very interesting place and very historical, you know, the Thurman Depot across the street, stories that went out in Thurman, I was always intrigued by the history and, and so that was where I had my first experience in a kayak and paddled the New River there the first few times, did the upper new from French down to Thurman, which was way cool because you put in a French and just paddled right out off the base camp at the end of the day, you know. Yeah. And uh, ran the New River Gorge from there for the first time at 13. And that's, you know, you just walked down to the water. I mean, there was no bus ride at the beginning of the day. It was, it was uh, very unique, very uh, picturesque in my mind still to this day. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, after that first rafting trip on the lower New River through the gorge with my dad, video boater, this guy Dan McNollin, we were talking, he was in the mountain bikes, I was in the mountain bikes, and he's got a kayak, and he's just like, hey, man, you want to you get in this kayak and try it out? I'm thinking, yeah, I'd love to. And, and he says, well, I tell you what, if your dad buys one of my videos, I'll take you out in the boat. <laughs> Dude, those video boaters will do anything to sell a video. Anything for a video. Well, I was so in luck because my dad always bought a video. He always bought a video. And I'm like, I don't even have to sell this, man. Like, we are in. I can tell you yes right now. You know? And, I can confirm and, uh, it. Let's get in that kayak. I can, it's done, man. You just tell me when and where. So after that raft trip that day, um, we because we had the discussion the night before the raft trip, and after that trip that day, he did his thing with his video, and my dad bought a video, and we went down there, and he got an extra boat and a paddle, and took me out in the pool there and it was late summer so water level was mellow and what was the day, year basically. what was the year so i'm oh you're gonna have to do some math for me steve i'm i'm 43 going on 44 and i was 13 years old so that would have been right around 80, 80. something like that 88 88 89 probably okay, the, the late 80s let's just say that i'm no late mathematician 80s. either late 80s. <laughs> late 80s for sure and, wow uh, yeah, so when we, he 
took me out and just showed me a little bit about paddling. I didn't even have a spray coat, fiberglass boat that he had made, and a wooden paddle that was sweet. And wow. Looking he, back on it now, you know, knowing what wooden paddles are to paddlers. And he made the boat? That. I'm pretty sure. I remember him saying that he had, he had made the boat pretty much or had cut it down or something. And it was, it was a kind of a, it was a river running fiberglass boat. It wasn't like a short boat. Here for the Arden section, the Tiger dude. That is a fantastic run, place to grow up. Did a lot of growing there myself with you, and I'm super duper thankful of that. So, who was the guy? What was the guy's name that taught you the kayak instruction? Dan McNolan. Dan McNolan. And uh, he was a video boater guy. Some of your more, I don't want to sound cliche and say old school, but you know, people that are still around say it though they were they were, they were around then. Yeah. They they remember Dan McDonald. You know, he's a pivotal figure. I think he and Tim McCracken, I believe they owned a video company together or something, season video, rack trips and yeah. he was the staff at that time, was the staff video boater at Wildwater and just oh, a cool man. guy and you know, uh, very adventurous and it wasn't really any kind of official lesson. You showed me a few things and like I said, it was just kinda of passing that love for the sport on I think because he sensed I was into it and I was very intrigued you know I was I'd been intrigued from the very first time I did the Upper New River and saw people in kayaks you know I just as I told my girlfriend this morning there was this this uh, drive for the solo side of it like it's me and that boat you know and a paddle charging it up and uh it's been a significant part of my life since yeah, it's all taken, you know, it's definitely taken people by the the whole existence. You know, it just sucked them all in and it doesn't let them out for like 10, 20 years. And you wake up thinking you're Jerry Garcia, you know, you, you know, you played a bunch of concerts, but you don't know the exact one that you played, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's some, there's some that stick out very specifically in, in that, uh, in that voluptuous, Eddie that served you for all those years, you know, or the wave that you, you caught that you just never got off of, you know, it's, uh, man, so many stories I could talk for hours about it. And, yeah. You know, the epic runs with you and other members of the rafting community and paddling community down around Fayetteville and yeah. having that access. Yeah. Something else. Fayetteville's so a magical one. place. It is. It really is. And, and still is to this day. And for many other reasons, you know, climbing, hiking, mountain biking, and they got zip lines there now and all that good stuff. But yeah. the, the paddling was what took me there. And I've just always been mesmerized by it. So. Me too. Me too. And being West Virginia, and though, boys, it's a good place to call your home. Yeah, it really is a good place to call home. And it's funny uh, how things progress and remain a part of your life. You know, I've lived on the coast in North Carolina for almost 15 years and 
scored a couple of sea kayaks right off the bat and paddle these uh, coastal rivers and waterways and stuff. And it's a whole other side of kayaking I mm-hmm. never thought I would enjoy, but I still get that same satisfaction out of just paddling, yeah. you know, working currents and stuff. And when you branch out and do things like multi-day expeditions, I did a four-day expedition on the on the Cape Fear River with uh, a pal Sam Hess and spent four days, three nights out there. And Make boy, big crossings, a, camp with alligators. Yeah, oh, man, you want a good gator bed bedtime story. Uh, <laughs> bedtime paddling story, boy, that is a good one. I can hmm. But the joy of living out of our kayak. <laughs> That's years. a scary one, man. <laughs> yeah, do that again. That's okay. <laughs> the alligator bedtime yeah. story, man. You know what? That baby, the Cape Fear, that that's got some serious uh, gator action on it. Oh yeah, especially as you get closer to the coast. You know, we started at a little place called Billy Jennifer's Wildlife Access Point, and it was interesting paddling these sixteen foot long kayaks loaded with gear, and we were actually paddling some, you know, some class one moving water. Saw a little saw a few ripples, saw a little breaking waves here and there, and it was really interesting to paddle that big barge or a kayak that wants to go really fast and it's hard to slow down uh, through some of that stuff, and actually seeing a rocky riverbed and narrow topography, mm-hmm. you know, in sense of narrow width, topography is not the right word, but, but uh, and then seeing how it just progressed on and on to the last 33 miles, being a full-on coastal designated estuary. And that's where the old gator story happened, okay? So all along the whole trip, lots of wildlife, snakes, tons of turtles. You see fish. We saw people with some heavy fishing gear, according to Sam. Like, so there's some big fish in that place. We spent the night on this beach in a 90-degree bend one night. And fish were just rolling all night long, jumping like crazy. It was pretty awesome. And uh, so it's the last day of our trip. And, uh, boy, I, I started this day. We slept on the side of this bank on this embankment across from our last checkpoint um, the third night and it was the hottest, buggiest, muggiest night. This is mid-April, you know, late April and it just happened to warm up and get kind of, kind of muggy and gnarly. And uh, we're getting up before daybreak the next morning to paddle across and use the facilities at this boat ramp and make some breakfast and I had my last pair of fresh shorts, you know, my last pair of dry, fresh shorts. They yeah. were perfect and man, if I didn't fall in the water my boat on the side of that embankment, you know, and oh man, I went Captain Insane for a minute and really got upset about it, but it was a full yard sale. It, it really was. It was a full yard sale. I mean, I went in almost head first. It, Blainer, do, Blainer doesn't go full full Blainer, you know, all the time, but that's definitely one of the times that would send it. Was one of a, it was one rare moment, man. I, I swear, I'm, and I'm glad I was with Sam this experience, and Sissy and I, whoever I may have woken up in the, in the, on the plateaus above, but uh, it was a full yard sale. I mean, I went practically head first, totally stoked, but I uh, got it sorted out and just realized I was going to, you know, wear wet shorts for the day, and uh, and we, had, we took off and the uh, we were about 33 miles, so it's not the last 33 miles. It's about the last 18 or so into Wilmington. It is a section, a very multi, you know, several mile section between that last checkpoint in Wilmington where we paddled into um, that is coastal estuary, full on designated, and it gets a little narrow. And we had had the conversation about staying, you know, kind of out in the center of the river and not getting too close to the banks because of gators. I mean, we were reading about this stuff, so we were aware. And uh, we came around this bend, and we just got a little complacent 
and I hear Sam, I'm going to quote him, so, you know, a little profanity, but he says, he says, holy shit, man, that's a big-ass gator. Yes, You're not going to eat, man. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yes, sir, that's a big gator. That's a big-ass gator. And he talked about how his daughter wanted him to see a gator, and he did this stuff. If he got through that whole trip without seeing a gator, he'd be happy. You know, but his little girl wanted him to see a gator, an alligator, so bad, because he'd been reading about some alligators in these alligator children's books, I'm, I'm assuming. And so... I'm like, I didn't see it. And I look back over my shoulder and uh, I see this, this, this is a monster, this big old monster. I could see her head. I could see her head just sitting above the water. And she was a, you know, a fair distance away, but close enough to make you nervous. And I think she just slipped in the water to let us know we weren't getting closer because that was you know, pretty much hatching season, if you will, you know, mid, mid-spring. No, you know what it is, dude? So, it's her territory. That's what it is. Right. And she probably she was probably sitting on some eggs. Yeah. That's her territory. Eggs, what I'm thinking. That was her territory. So she was letting us know we weren't getting closer. And Sam starts hauling it across the river. I'm like, yo, yo, don't get don't get too close to the other side. You don't know what's hanging out over there either. You know, it's just down and they'll take deep breaths, you know. The shore and is the insane. funny thing is and the, the the very eerie thing about it, Steve, is that I did not see that gator slip in the water, nor did I hear a splash. Okay? I just saw it kind of after it entered the water when Sam noticed it. You know, Sam yeah. actually saw that thing slither off the bank all ninja style into the water, saw it, and he said he heard a splash. And I'm thinking, man, we weren't that far apart. But the fact that, you know, sometimes if your audio, if your visual is not in cue, then you're probably not going to hear out as likely to absorb an audible sound or whatever. But uh, that was that was creepy. But uh, we just trusted on the rest of the way, and the rest of the trip every now and then, where it got shallow and some bends and the river got narrow, as we came down closer to Wilmington, there's a pretty narrow stretch in there. You'd see these uh, mud streaks in the water, oh. you know, like debris streaks. And I'm sure it was gators that were probably hanging low and heard it coming or whatever and just flipping. But you know, they they're going to try to get away from us. But uh, the real fantastic thing about that trip, too, kind of switching gears from the gators outside of living out of your kayak for four days, was we timed our last day into Wilmington so that we would come into Wilmington on an outgoing tide. Because the ocean tides do affect the, you know, the coastal rivers. And there's, a, there's about a two and a half to three hour delay here with the Cape Fear River. And uh, the last, uh, shortly after, I mean, we started picking up current. A pretty significant current in the estuary, and it got stronger and stronger as we reached the max ebb going out. And it was so much fun. It was kind of, I can remember laughing, like, you know, just kind of giggling to myself, you know, working this really fast moving downstream current in these high performance flooring boats, you know, they're designed to just slice it up. And Sam was my math guy. He was the math leader, and he kept, kept our pace and everything. And we averaged. Close to, I think it was like four point seven or close to five miles an hour over the course of the trip. Nice, you, you guys know? were moving um, fourteen foot boats, right? Yeah, sixteen, and then a little over sixteen. I, 16 I had a, uh, I was in an Impex Diamante, and Sam was paddling a old Aquatus to line. Nice. Uh, so it was, it was good fun, and you know, working those currents, and you see walls along the river where the kind of coastal eddy currents would be coming together, and you could find in the fast with stream to just cut through. It was, it was kind of fun. Nice. But uh, went through a lock for the first time. Actually got locked through a tipping lock, you know, and it was just, you know, basically like a liquid elevator. Yeah, I went through the 
Three Gorges Dam in China, the biggest dam in the world, in one of those yeah. locks. And that was wow. That was a pretty crazy story on a German old steamship for four days on the Yangtze. And uh, I guess that's another another story for another time. But a lock is you know essentially like a liquid elevator, like you're saying there. Oh, I think we might have lost them. Let's give him a call back here. But yeah, the old Yangtze, that was a... Your was call has been forwarded to an automatic trip. voice message system. Nine. Well, we lost our man, Blaine Daniel, there. But we did get some good information. Um, you know, a great <laughs> bedtime story right there, I think. Uh, doing the Cape Fear River in 16-foot kayaks. Blainer. Hold on, I'm going to pull you in. I'm going to pull you into the show. Are you there? Okay. Yeah, I'm here. Nice. Sorry about that. Well, technical he's, difficulty on my end. He's back. <laughs> Welcome back, Blaine. <laughs> yes. Uh, technical difficulty break. <laughs> Got to have an amen. Uh, you know, a little coming to America. Oh, yeah. Yes. Coming to America. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, anyhow, man, that was awesome. Uh, anytime you mix gators and kayaks, you're going to have a good story. The Cape Fear River, Sam Hess. We're going to call that dude. We're going to get some good stories from him, but we got you on the line right now. Yeah. So we heard well, you know, first. We heard like, you know, just a, you know, an anecdotal story. What is your best? And maybe it's not your best, but like, what's one that sticks out in your mind that is just you, you know, utopian? It takes you back there every time. Do you have a story that is possibly oh, man, one of your better I, ones? Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, I have several, and, and two come to mind very, very like as I'm listening to you ask the question. And one involves you. Oh. Um, so we'll tell that one since we're going first. I'll share the love and we'll share a story. And uh, Jan Grislin was all, also on this trip. And when you talk about a paddling trip, oh, that man. I look back on to this day and I just like the hair standing up on the back of my neck thinking about it in excitement, not fear, but excitement. But I, I wasn't even there. ready for you to bring this story up. Now that you're bringing it up, I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> I figured it would catch you good. That's why I yeah. figured we'd start off with a bang. Yeah, but, that's a uh, big bang. That's a bang. It was a big bang. Still lives deep, you know, still lives deep in my heart. So, so we, uh, we, you know, we were, we were, what year raft guides were we? So I was in a perception with it. You were in RPM. Second year? I think second or, yeah, second years. Second it's year early guides. Season, early season. We're getting what our, bullet, our buddy. Uh, so 2008. Yep. No, 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 not 2008. It was. No, like no, 99. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Not 2008. 1998. Yeah, yeah. 98. 98. That's 98. What it was. And, and uh, you know, we were, that was that time of year where we got the warm, sunny days and the rainy nights. Stuff would just run. And it wasn't a matter of what are we going to, you know, where are we going to paddle or what are we, you know, it's not a matter of if we were paddling that day. It's like, well, <laughs> There's so much to choose from. Like, what are we going to paddle? Yeah. You know, and, in West Virginia. Uh, oh, especially when, when things are running, everything was just going off and stuff was high. It had been raining. New River was enormous. And I think the yeah. drives were even blown. And, and so we ventured over to the lower dock, 
Yeah, where we thought we could be safe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we can handle several thousand CFS on the, on the lower golly. And I think the last gauge reading we got, because we, you know, to our credit, we were running a lot of big water back then. You know, in those first few years, we had quite a bit of big water. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think our last gauge reading was like six, was it 16 or 12 or something? Or I can't remember. It was up there. And, and obviously it was on the rise, but I just remember getting down into Mason's branch and having to, the creek that flows in there was just raging and having to hike across that using our paddle as a brace and getting in and going so far up to get in and just. The whole bottom so, parking lot was a, a whitewater rapid through the trees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, you couldn't even drive down to the bottom parking lot or like no. even one that. You know, there's like that middle parking lot and there's the one that you can get all the way to the water with the whole middle parking lot that was all the way, kicks all the way back up was a rapid. Yeah. I remember walking across that culvert, man, and like side, side away steep water or whatever and, uh, and and getting in and having to walk so far up just to work, work through the trees and get out so we get out in the main current and I get swept into the stuff that was going on my along the right hand shore of it. Yeah, and we were but, uh, used to that kind of approach with New River Dries. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get out there in the exactly. middle, you'll be okay. Yeah, and uh, and man, we got we got just I don't know a couple hundred yards down in there, you know, through that first little entrance wrap, and the waves were big. And I just remember coming over this wave, and you looking at me and saying, "I don't know about this." <laughs> like, you know, we're committed now. Like, we just got to oh, yeah. do it, you know. Yeah, and uh, it ended up being a pretty epic day, and. Well, when remember. you asked me that, just to, just to hit you with the pause button for a second, when you asked me that, I was pretty much putting my hand on top of Jump Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that. Like it was no longer Jump Rock; it was Step Rock. Like you yeah. just step off. It was step. <laughs> it was Step Rock, dude. Step Rock. It so that gives anyone that's ever there. Yeah, and that gives any paddler, anyone that's ever seen that area, that Jump Rock right there on the lower when you go in at Mason Branches. That's it's up there, you know. Yeah, if you can put your but, hand on it out of your kayak, mm-hmm. the water's up. All right, Indeed. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But no, you know, I just remember that day in its entirety almost. You know, there was big on-the-fly waves. We were surfing and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, we got down to Upper Mash, and, man, it got real. You got over there on the right-hand side. I watched you totally melt down through a pour-over for a solid three or four seconds. Oh, man, mash, upper mash. I was scared. I was scared, scared. Mm-hmm. And it was just like I couldn't read anything. I didn't know any landmarks. All I just saw was the river getting huge and burly and then one tree right in the middle of the river. Yeah. Just giant waves. Everywhere. It was, yeah. Well, and then oh. we, we peeled down through lower mash and uh, and just I remember the size of it. I mean, it was huge, but getting down in towards, you know, from there down through diagonal ledges, the waves just got so big. Gigantic. And, uh, Greyhound bus stopper size, size waves everywhere. Oh, Easy. enormous. Some of the biggest waves I've seen outside of the drive. You know, it's just, it was very New River Drive type stuff, but on yeah. the golly and a lot more powerful and so much more water and a more narrow riverbed, you know? Compressed. But, uh, yeah, but I remember we came down through uh, diagonal ledges, and I think it was, I think it was you and me, and we got a little, a little close to each other, and, and you went down to, to punch through the bottom of this wave and I was trying to pull the old hairy ferry upstream to gain a little distance from you and I peeled in right as this thing broke and we both just melted right into this wave as it broke and uh man 
on just the force, the sheer force in these plastic white water boats, you know, being basically melted, yeah. you know, for a fairly significant amount of time. What, not what is normal for It's like Barry's Hole, you know, Barry's Hole and Double Z just flopping on you, or the flopping wave. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't like it broke on us. It was like the timing was so perfect and the envelope was there. And I saw it like cresting and breaking and about to come down as we, and we just, and the pocket got deep and it just, it was like, it just opened us, opened up. And it was like the mouth, the jaws of the golly just opened up and said, come on in. You know, it just yeah. like took us for a ride, man. Oh, it Woo. did. It did. That and we hit the eddy on the right after that. One of yep. the only, yep. one of the only eddies on the river that we came across. Yeah, probably. There was a handful and of them, I think three. Yeah. Yeah. There weren't many. And then, <laughs> no. so the interesting thing is, you know, we checked the gauge later and, and did the math on the timing and everything. And we were, you know, that thing was rising so fast. It ended up being 24,000 CF. <laughs> yeah. Hove, Hove told us on the lower thousand on the lower G. And Man. you know what? I had like a fancy watch, um, uh, at that time. Um, man, I can't, if we had Brad Atkins here, he could tell me what kind of had a Sunto, the Sunto vector. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I timed us. Cause I was just like, oh, you know, I was all into timing and the, the barometric pressure and all that. But I do remember that it was 45 minutes that we were on the water quick. and it was quick. we put on and we took off and we went 17 miles in 45 yep. minutes and yeah. we paddled to our car, you know? Yes. I remember that. It was a much shorter walk. Yeah, <laughs> it was a much shorter walk and we parked pretty high up and it really yeah. probably wasn't high up enough if we would have, you know, known it was 24,000, we probably would have parked a little bit. Yeah, we I definitely, I'm pretty sure we were on the, we were right on the bubble of it. Just, I mean, it was not, that was not. That was, uh, and that's, that's one of my more memorable trips that really sticks out. I mean, there's so many, you know, oh, you're right. but that, that's, dude, that was such a good one. That was so big. And Jan, Jan was the man, dude. He was the man. He was on it. Mr. Switzerland killed it on that. Yeah. We, we all did. And I was really thankful, uh, that nobody swam. <laughs> we, yeah. Nobody swam. We didn't it, swim. Nobody could swim that day. It would not that have. was not an option. Worked not out an option very well. Day. I was glad to have an RPM on that day. Because I'll tell you what, yeah. the RPM got me fast. It enabled me to surf. Oh, know, so many and good react. And when, react, yep. when my stern was engaged, you know, and I've always said this, I felt like I was more solid at times when I'm like squirting and I oh, yeah. my direction. And then yeah. pivoting and making a turn with that uh, RPM, that that's kind of how I did it, you know, and just on the squirt. Yeah, stabbing it. Rocket moves, man. There's so many good rocket moves out there over those gigantic waves. Oh, those, yeah. yeah, the ones that weren't breaking, you catch one when it wasn't breaking, it was just peaked up and just yeah. slip that stern in there and go airborne over the back. Whew. We surfed in between survival. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's almost like you catch a wave, you get a little break for a second. You're like, yeah. okay, let me sit still for 2.4 seconds. Yeah. The, there's uh, a lot of the Fayette County boys that, that surf in between survival. So they know what's oh, yeah. up with that. Well, yeah. we've heard like a, a really good uh, mix of your experience. Um, what do you think is going to be your next experience on Whitewater? Or no, no, whatever experience you want on, on a river. 
What do you think will be your next? Well, you know, like the very next time I'm able to go kind of thing, or will be my next really vivid memory that I'm planning. I think the next thing that you want to do, like you want to say, well, hey, the, this is what I want to do. This is going to be my next thing. That you're going yeah, to, I mean, you can say, Hey, I want to, you know, kayak the grand Canyon, but there's a lot that really goes on with that. So I wouldn't say yeah. that unless you have a permit and it's all locked in the bag, but well, like the next yeah. thing that you want to do, uh, what is it? Well, the next, the next paddling adventure that's really at the top of my list right now is, um, you know, my, I have a seven, a six-year-old son. It's going to be seven in April. Walker. And, uh, one my, Walker Blaine. And uh, so uh, one big priority for me, probably the biggest right now, honestly, is to get him uh, hopefully to West Virginia this summer and uh, float him down the upper new and uh, have a uh, last summer uh, um, purchased a, a high-quality uh, Rocky Mountain Rafts tandem inflatable. Nice. And, um you know, I've taken him out in it uh, a couple of times here on the Cape Fear River at a local access point, just paddling around, and he seems to be comfortable in it. So I want to get him, you know, some up and new, do a float trip, and get him exposed um, at a you know a younger age than I was exposed, and you know, pass that passion and love that I have for the sport onto him, mm-hmm. and let him start to have those experiences. It's like the secrets of the rainforest, dude. You have yeah. to. You have to have like all those skills and you have to know the right person to pass them on and you have to have the right Indeed. person to receive them. You know, yeah. It's some intense information that not everybody's ready for. No, no. And it's uh timing of everything with it. So, yeah. but uh, that's, that's probably one of the big ones. And, um, you know, as a, as a paddler still living on the coast, you know, I've, I've got myself a, a whitewater boat that's got some surf characteristics and I haven't had it out in the surf lately because I've, over the last 10 years or so, I've really gotten into stand-up paddleboarding and surfing. And, and uh, But recently, I've started thinking about getting my, my orbit fish back out in the waves here on the coast. And, uh, That's a sweet you know, boat. Uh, such a sweet boat in the wave, too. So it's uh, a lot of fun on, on the right kind of day. So, but, uh, nice. but yeah, getting my son out there is a big priority. That'll be the, hopefully the next thing I do. Dude, your son is going to love it, and that's a great uh, thing to do. Awesome. What a good time for you, let alone just your son, but it's a good time for you. Oh, yeah. It'll be a very uh, rewarding experience. It'll be you know, something I'll always remember when it happens, for yeah. sure. You'll think of your dad that you know, gave Oh, yeah, passing it down. And, yeah. yeah, totally. Awesome. Completely. Well, dude, I thank you so much for being my first guest on Bedtime Stories for Paddlers. Hey, I appreciate you calling me and uh, giving me the opportunity to be your first guest. This has been a blast. It was uh, such a pleasant surprise and um, a lot of fun. You know, good memories. Yes, they are. All right, man. We will look forward to you uh, seeing you hopefully sometime soon, maybe on the upper yacht. Yeah, Upper Yacht is on my list of, to get out for on myself soon. And you know Indeed. what? We don't even need to do the Upper Yacht. We can actually do uh, the Middle Yacht and take the family with the masks. Because mm-hmm. we, got, we got, you know, the inflatable crafts and the masks. And, you know, that that's really the way to go. But after we do that, then we'll hit the Upper Yacht. Then we'll go to the Upper Yacht. Indeed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> 
indeed. It'll be it'll be a two stage it'll be a two phase process for the paddling journey for sure. All right, man. Indeed. Well, thank you so much. It's great yes, to have you. It's good to hear from you. And thank you for giving us a bedtime story on Bedtime Stories for Paddlers, bro. My pleasure. Sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Thank you so much, Blaine, for being a part of the podcast this evening. And thank you to our listeners out there. It's our intention to archive stories from the whitewater paddling community. And we look forward to talking with more kayakers, raft guides, canoeists, Swiftwater Rescue Pros, stand-up paddleboarders, and artists. I'm hoping this collection of education will increase our sphere of awareness on the river and help us move with purpose on our journey downstream. Thank you, everyone, and sweet dreams. <laughs>